Welcome to the Purpose Podcast, our goal for everyone everywhere to follow Jesus. So that includes you and your friends and their friends and everyone else. Let's get deeper. Hey, Purpose people, welcome to the Purpose Podcast, your show for everything Purpose Church. This show is a show to give you a chance to process your Christian life and to talk frankly and honestly about what it means to be a Christian in our culture today. We believe that growing people change, and our goal is to give you tools to help you have a deeper and more vibrant relationship with Jesus. So, discussion, books that are helping us, other media, people that you can get, um, that you can hear from, um, that can help you grow. We also believe that we are better together, so that's what we want to hear from you. So, thanks so much for joining us. It's February 23rd, 2017. This is episode two. My name is Jarrett Lemaster. I'm the worship pastor and the young adults pastor here at Purpose Church. And thankfully, it's not just me talking to you today. I have smarter and more interesting people here with me. Um, He's mostly known for his fashion blog and his intense passion for raising King Charles Spaniels. He's got thousands of them. No joke. Thousands. Uh, For real, though, he's a PhD in English and, and stuff. English and stuff, and has recently been voted professor with the best hair for the whole United States. Congratulations for that honor. Thank you so much. That's an honor. (laughs) It's a big honor. Caleb Spencer, everyone. Caleb Spencer, how are you, Caleb? What's going on this week, man? You doing good? Good to to, to be back. Yeah, so last week, how'd you feel like like last week went with the podcast and everything? Uh, You know, I didn't really re-listen to the whole thing because I didn't want to hear myself cry, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) the part I listened to was really great. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you did an amazing job crying last week. That was incredible. Uh, Totally fake, people. Totally fake. Uh, Turn it on right now. (laughs) He's going to cry right now. I can see it. You can see. You can see the tears. The tears are yeah, coming. Yeah, crocodile tears starting to fall. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, he's. Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't know this, but Caleb is a fantastic actor. Um, and so, anyway, uh, we call that a teacher. <laughs> I'm very interested in your project. Yes, yeah, very that's, interested. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is a great. Uh, this, this is essay a great is project. outstanding. <laughs> yeah, this is, that's right. Great subject matter. Uh, I've never thought of uh, tying this yarn with. Cats. I don't know. Anyway, um, okay. So um, that's great. So anyway, uh, also joining us today, wife and mother, author, speaker, powerful woman of God, and formerly from the band Tony, 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 and now a pastor here at Purpose, Lisa Tony. Hey, Jared. Hey, how's it going? So how was your experience with Tony? Is that is that correct? Is that information correct? You know, I get that all the time. But it's not true? You know, sorry. Really? So my information, I need to... I need to talk to my producer. Can you remind me Source of check, a, a, maybe a Tony, 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 Tony song? I'm not, I can't remember. Is that Blame It on the Rain or is that Millie <laughs> No, Vanilli? no, that was Millie Vanilli. <laughs> <laughs> I actually get Lisa, Lisa called Jam a little bit more. Oh, oh, yeah. there we go. There we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, Tony, yeah. Tony, Tony. Yeah. Uh, what great experiences on the road did you have? Uh, yeah, Tony, so Lisa, how are you? Good. I'm doing really well. I uh, cool. had a great week and cool. uh, got a sick kiddo, so that's kind of a bummer, but I've got okay. four, so... One's, I know you have one's four usually kids. down for the count for some reason. I have four kids too, and so and Caleb, you have how many? Man, I'm really behind on the three, but I do have four cats. You have four, four cats. You have three and kids and four cats. I'm thinking about getting cats. a fifth one this week while my wife's out of town. An, a new child? No, 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 a new cat. Oh, either oh, that guys. or cutting my hair. Sorry. One of the two. Ooh. Ooh. Both of my daughters have shorter hair but now you'll, than you'll, the son um, and I. So you'll learn. You'll lose all your strength if you do that. That is true. <laughs> I don't have a lot to lose. <laughs> Now that is true. Um, Caleb is um, very small of frame, uh, very weak. Uh, you can tell Light he's, muscle, he's sickly. Just like I, I like to describe it. 
<laughs> he's like a sickly musketeer. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, so anyway, so Lisa, this, it's really good to have you uh, here today on the show. You preached on Sunday. Um, and I'm really, really excited to hear about. It. So, oh, by the way, Lisa has a book um, that you guys need to check out. So tell us about your book. Sweet. Yeah, thanks, Jarrett. It's uh, called Thrive, Live Like You Matter. And it's a book uh, that I wrote a couple years ago just to really encourage people to really embrace all that God has for you. Um, I love the verse where Jesus talks about that he has come so that we might have abundant life and how we live that to the full. And so it's mm-hmm. just a book that really encourages people how to thrive in their life and their context in which God has put them in. And um, so each chapter kind of embodies a, a way that we can thrive in terms of living as people of courage, living as people who forgive um, deeply and abundantly. Um, there's a chapter on justice, a chapter on living with courage, living with hope. So uh, cool. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So what, what gave you the idea for the book? Because I, I mean, I knew you wrote it a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and um, I was I was interested. Um, what, what was the thought process behind it? What kind of inspired you to do it? And first of all, you have an incredibly busy life. That's the thing about Lisa, is that she is the busiest person I know, <laughs> and so and and the most productive. And I'm so and it's you know it's like that old saying like if you want something to get done. You call the most person. the most productive person. Yeah, the busiest person you know. Um, yeah, so I just was interesting where you fit it into your schedule, <laughs> and also what inspired you to do it. How'd you finish it? Yeah, well, you know, God gave me this idea, and and I, I enjoy speaking, I enjoy writing, and uh, I've been a pastor now for. A while, and so I just felt like a lot of the people that I dialogue with and come in and just spend some time with in my office that these were some of the topics that kept coming up on a repeated basis, mm-hmm. and so just really kind of prayed through it and felt like God was giving me an opportunity to write uh, something that may speak to a larger audience. So um, I spent a summer between having baby two and baby three. Um, I not sure which their names are. Right, uh, yeah, right, I don't right, know. Right, yeah. I don't remember that. But between Gus and Pax, two and three. Uh, the baby two and baby three. Um, yeah, I was really blessed. I have a really good friend who was able to help me um, carve out some time, and she took a little bit off my plate so I could spend some time writing and cool. kicked it out. And um, yeah, I was really blessed to have a publishing company pick it up, and uh, yeah. so it's been great. So we've done the book, and then I've also done a, a kind of a DVD small group series that goes along with it, so it can be done as a, a small group DVD series as well. No, it's really incredible because um, it, for those of you who haven't written a book out there that are listening, because most of you probably have, I'm just saying. Probably. But if uh, for those of you who haven't, it's an extremely big deal to get published. Um, and so I just am extremely impressed. Like, I'm really impressed by it. I, I have aspirations eventually to write some stuff. I've been talking to some people about it. Um, but I am just really impressed with it. So way to go. And if Thanks, you, and so it's highly recommended you guys go check it out. Uh, Thrive. Uh, you can find it at the church. You can get it online too, right? You yeah, can it's on, get Amazon. It on Amazon. I just ordered a copy from Amazon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Fifteen ninety nine. That's a pretty good price. Um, Fifteen ninety nine to change your life. Uh, <laughs> Thrive. Live like you matter. <laughs> Way to go, Lisa. Very cool. I'm very excited to have. We have a great show for you guys. So let's get started. At Purpose Church, we believe that we are better together. If you're new to Purpose Church or haven't yet, you won't want to miss the opportunity to sign up for Rooted. Rooted is a 10-week small group experience designed to help you connect with God and other people on their journey. During the past two years, over a thousand people have experienced Rooted, and each one has a story of the amazing ways that God has impacted their lives. Let's begin your story. On Sunday morning, find more information at the Connect Center after the service, or go right now to PurposeChurch.com slash Rooted for more information on how you can go deeper. Also, mention the podcast for a 25% discount on your materials. Get rooted. 
Sermon Recap. Okay, so this week we're covering last week's sermon titled, Found People, Find People. Uh, it was preached by Lisa Tony. Uh, the passage is John 4, 1 through 42. It's the Samaritan woman. So warning, I repeat, warning, if you weren't there on Sunday, I strongly encourage you to go back and access the archives at purposechurch.com slash category slash sermons. You can just go on purposechurch.com and look for the archives. So you have a better summary than I'm about to give you. Also, um, some of the views expressed might be controversial, especially from Caleb. And, um, and so feel free to respond on the page. Also, you'll get a better picture of what this sermon uh, was about in the discussion following. Okay, so deep breath. Here's here's a time for a summary. Doohig, the power of habits. Lisa did a great summary of the book and pointed out that Doohig pointed out that people can change. She definitely explained the habit loop described in the book, cue, routine, reward, feedback loop, and how to disrupt that process. That logically leads to Jesus's habits, which I'm kind of really interested in. What were they, by the way? What were Jesus's habits? Let's discuss that. Um, what did he do on leg day? What did Jesus do on leg day? Mm, mm. Definitely deep. deep <laughs> yeah, that's good. Deep. He did not skip leg day. <laughs> anyway, finally, Lisa gave an examination of the gospel passage about the woman at the well. Uh, how did we? How did Jesus um, evangelize? How do we evangelize? All right. So, seriously. Uh, let's get going. So first question. Um, did you guys both read? You read Duhigg. I know you did, Lisa. Yeah, Jerry, you're actually the one that turned me onto it. So thank you for that. Hey, I was boom. really, I loved it. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad. That's so cool. The Power of Habits. If you guys haven't read it, it's a good book. Uh, you know, I really enjoyed it. Um, have you read it, Caleb? You did, right? I did not read the book. Okay. Yeah. And you I read did. the executive summary. I did. I did read the executive, the All cliff right. notes. He got, he got a part the, of it in there. The cliff notes. But I read gonna, it a few years ago. If we're going to talk about habit, I mean, we, we should definitely at least think about what that word means and where it comes from. Okay, well, think, where does it come from, Caleb? Well, my friends, it comes from Latin, which I, I knew because uh, there's a sociologist I like who um, whose book is called, he has a, he, one of his famous uh, books is called Habitus, which means like conditioning or to appear a certain way. Um, to pee a certain way? Appear, oh. habere in Latin. Oh, okay. um, like it's, it's about conditioning or what you are. Um, so some of the synonyms, though, I thought were interesting because, you know, they, they really do have different connotations. Custom, practice, routine, pattern, um, usage, rule, and then mannerisms. Uh, but then it gets into the more negative ones. Addiction, dependence, dependency, craving, fixation. I mean, th- those obviously are a little less like... You know, habits in that sense seem a little less positive. Um, that's so right. that's an interesting word in that regard because we we have both very positive associations with it. Like I have these habits and very right. negative associations. So there's positive habits, habits and, and negative yeah, habits. There's exactly. good habits and, and bad they, habits. And yeah. I'm, I'm interested to know, we don't have to talk about our bad habits right now, but what, what, what kind of habits do you guys have? What are your daily routines that you kind of follow? Your daily liturgies. Nice. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we all have tons of habits. We're kind of creatures of habit. So, you know, I tend to kind of get up at the same time every day and have my same cup of coffee every morning and kind of try and get my kids on a routine because it's helpful for them to get everybody out the door, get them out to school and everybody kind of grooves on their habit of getting dressed, having breakfast, packing up their backpack, getting their lunchbox and practicing piano and getting out the door. Right. So the process, the routine that you have every day is is habitual. Right. And it's it's funny because it's not completely conscious. We were talking about this 
uh, before, but the consciousness of a habit, like when we're driving, is driving is a habit, and it's kind of a subconscious habit. We don't really do it, and every once in a while, when something is a variation in our driving pattern, like uh, you know, our consciousness kind of like takes over. We're right. like, oh no, you know, somebody pulls out in front of you, you're like, you whoa, you know, like you know, I'm at, I'm at ten and two, you know, like, <laughs> and so, yeah, what exactly. gear am I in? Uh, you know, oh shoot, yeah, I better turn on my blinker. Yeah, like that kind of stuff. When you're, you don't really think about those things. And you can do like a multiple things at once. It's what it's your brain's way of of helping you not have to focus on everything you're doing all the time. You can do certain things that are kind of subconscious. Right. Then you do things that are conscious and maybe even kind of multitask. Not really, but and well, do that, it brings that up that our brains are constantly trying to force us into making more and more habits, so that right. it frees our brains up to have more brain power for other stuff. So right. yeah, it's like automaticity. It's like you automate it, and right. then now you don't have to think about it, right. which gives you the bandwidth. To do something else. I mean, it's yeah. It's like your brain is a factory, right? If if mm-hmm. one part of the factory operates without conscious effort, then the conscious effort can be put into something else. I mean, yeah. and, and we. I mean, I'm really. I, I should tell you both. I'm pretty skeptical about neurobiology and sort of the fadism of current. You know, everything is like the brain and blank, the brain and blank. Uh, I think in the tradition of the church, we would probably talk more about the spirit or the psyche in Latin or the soul. Right. And I mean, not to say that there's the no person. brain. I'm not denying the brain. But we, a good friend of mine, Skyla Herod, is a brain biologist and neurobiologist. And another friend of mine, Lauren, is a brain um, psychologist and teaches neurobiology. And, and both of them are always like, oh, Total yeah. quacks. Yeah, quacks total nudges. Like, <laughs> but they, you know, they both, uh, you know, talking to them about neurobiology, they're both very skeptical of like the primary thing they think we know about the brain is what we that we don't know much like and these are people who both have PhDs in neurobiology so yeah. that being said though I think that the same set of conditions can be talked about with the soul right like it's mm-hmm. not you know the brain patterns that we map on an MRI are great I mean maybe they mean something but maybe they don't but certainly the church has often talked for a long time about how we are shaped by what we do Right. And so which brings up a question that I have, I kind of want to know, and Lisa, maybe you can answer this then Caleb, but we were, I was thinking, how does Jesus affect our habits? And like what, maybe, maybe you can talk personally too, because in my life, he's, he's definitely changed this. The sanctification process has changed my habits before I was really close to the Lord. I had all kinds of habits that were not that were, that were not good. And then as I've walked with God over the course of, you know, the last 25, you know, 30 years or whatever, God has changed my habits into, into different habits. So, and what, what is, what's sanctification and habit? Like, how do we, what's the correlation? I think the strongest way to say that, I know you said Lisa, but I'm going to interrupt. But the strongest way to say that is not, I mean, I'm not saying this is true, but the strongest way to say that is that sanctification is habit. Right. I actually think, I mean, if you look at like most of the major texts on, on sanctification, like Thomas Akempis and um, Loyola, and you know, mm-hmm. I should probably say the 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 various Desert Fathers, they are all about a new set of practices that then sustain a new spirit, right? So they're not like legalism; they're right. actually about practices that transform us, and mm-hmm. and they're substituting for other practices. So it's not to say that there isn't something else that happens in sanctification, but that what we do does change our hearts. Augustine puts it awesomely in. Um, in his book on Christian teaching, he says that um, if you want to become a Christian, you should act like one for six weeks and you'll become one. <laughs> and that's an overstatement, but that's, that's a, a really paraphrase, cool by the way. That's not the direct quote. Actually, it's pretty close to the direct quote, <laughs> but it's in Latin. Um, yeah. But no, it's a, it's, but I think that, so, I mean, the strongest form of it is that sanctification is habits. And, and that's why like habit is in the church called, you know, 
nuns were a habit. It's not they about their, it's not about their clothing. That just represents the actual practice of the hours and like the daily offices. The spiritual discipline. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the right. habit. Yeah. So I mean, that, that's an overstatement to say it's only that, but it is in one sense really importantly only that. No, well, it's a, we kind of think of sanctification as an outside in or as an inside out process, mm-hmm. but is it possible that it's both? Like it's it's a conscious thing, but that the Holy Spirit's involved with that too. Well, he you know, gave it's us like, bodies. I mean, I don't think God was. We're not. We don't think the body is our problem. We're supposed to be doing something with it in the world, and it's supposed to be shaping right. our spirit. You know? So, what do you what do you think about that, Lisa? Yeah, what, what I think correlation? it's great, and I really loved this idea as I kind of read Duhigg and how to how to kind of apply it to our spiritual lives and, and look for some patterns in Scripture and the Bible. But, but I think when you know we fall in love with Jesus, and uh, you know, I really believe Jesus makes our life better, and so because of that, I think there's a an automatic kind of reward there that helps us try and track our behaviors to get more of that. How do I get more of Jesus in my life and and represent Jesus more to the people around me because I I believe that everything that Jesus does makes makes me better at life and makes my life better so what does that look like and I and I think you're right I think the power of the Holy Spirit is really profound for the Christian that you know we don't just have to depend on our brain but we can balance both the work of our brain with the power of the Holy Spirit through the power of prayer and, and asking God to be in that process. Totally. Well, there were habits early on in my Christian life um, that I had let in that were bad habits. Okay. So in my life um, that God was con- consistently asking me to stop and I couldn't do it. You know what I'm saying? And I yeah. tried, I tried to apply certain things. I tried to apply. And it's funny. I talk about this with guys all the time. Um, I, I mentor a bunch of guys on Tuesday nights. We have a Bible study and we are constantly talking about those things. Christina takes the girls out and we're able to actually talk about things that are, you know, guy centric and everything. Sure. Yeah. And, um, and it's really good. Um, but the thing is, is that we all struggle with kind of the same stuff. And I, I feel like what happened was for me, there was this, this combination of things where I desired the change so much. Like, so it was partially what I did, um, and my desire and my seeking after God, but then God took over at some point. Like Mm. it was a weird thing where he kind of, I, I had I had made all these efforts and I tried all this stuff and I put structure like into my life to make it good. And then but what happened was it was literally the Holy Spirit doing it that changed me. And um, that, that but made a you're bringing up a really cool thing. Right. So <clears throat> I, I mean, this is where I think it's really easy to kind of fall one way or the other. Right. We think the Holy Spirit does it. So then we think, well, we don't have to do anything. But actually, I mean, and this is where the Presbyterian part comes out of me. Sorry about that. But um, but no, in, in all seriousness, like like Presbyterians are really anti-behavior modification. And the, the tradition I grew up in, the pietist tradition, like uh, free church kind of tradition, Methodist, mm-hmm. was uh, Baptist even, was uh, really convinced that like primarily what Christianity was, was like a set of behavior modifications. Right. And, and that, that was the means of grace. But actually what most, what I love about the being Nazarenes reformed, thought that too. Yeah. And what yeah. I love about being Presbyterian is that they think that like God works his grace in your life through the spirit during the routine. Like, so that it's a combination. It's not mm. the routine that does it, but it's in a sense, the routine that's the space in which it happens. And that's mm-hmm. over simplifying it. But, but I, and I like that idea that, that there's a sense in which you, you change your practices and that doesn't itself actuate grace and the spirit's work, but that's like the space in which the spirit works. You well, know? you know, it's interesting because like Jesus even says in John 14, he's like, if you love me, you'll obey me. Yeah. Then my father and I will, will right. reveal ourselves to right. you. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's part of it. It's the obedience factor 
when you walk in obedience, then all of a sudden you re- he reveals himself. Right. And he shows himself personally to you, which then that change happens because there's this combo. You actually have a real relationship. You know what he cares about. You see what he's seeing because you're obeying what he asks you to do. But what yeah. the, the mistake you make is thinking that the actions are what inherently cause the change. Like right. mm-hmm. what you're mm-hmm. suggesting is that there's a sense in which the spirit's involved, but right. there's also, because it's very easy to just think, well, what I need to do is just get my actions right and then I'll be sanctified. And that's not quite right either. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that, the idea that that the spirit in some sense comes to occupy everything as the, um, I mean, not everything, but the world as the uh, curtain is ripped at Christ's death suggests that like this sort of overflowing of the presence of God into the world. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it, it, it's not like before where you had, you know, you had a holy of holies and you had a set of actions and those didn't necessarily bring in a relationship with God. But yeah, it's interesting because habits were so, so associated yeah, with so pharisaical living right. and, and Israel and the law, and the practice, of the, the law. law and all that kind of stuff. They had habits. I mean, like they really had And that. Jesus says explicitly in the Sermon on the Mount, like unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees. And then he right. goes on to describe like way upping the righteousness quota, you know, but like, he's also kind of suggesting too, that everyone needs me. He's like the righteousness right. has to be my well, exactly. righteousness. Exactly. I know it's, it's Luther's I entire problem. How this. will I be right. righteous? Right. You know, who can save me from this body of death in Paul's world? The point, I can't be righteous. I like can't. your example. And, but Christ's righteousness in God. me. Exactly. Yeah. So, through, through Christ. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting stuff. So Lisa, I was interested. You kind of brought up something that I thought when I read Duhigg, this was true for me too. I had the thought, okay, so <laughs> because Jesus is my guy, like, because I love Jesus, right, like right. what, what were his habits? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm interested to know what you thought about that. Cause you brought that up in the sermon and I don't know, I, I kind of guess wanted to get a little bit better picture of like, what were Jesus's habits? Like, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, you know, it's a really fun kind of study to reread some of the Gospels and look at Jesus through that lens. Um, I had a kind of a particular focus that I was looking at in terms of um, we were really talking about the core value here at Purpose Church of found people, find people. And so I really wanted to look at how Jesus found people and then what their response to that was. Mm -hmm. If we as found people, um, what we should be doing with that based on what Jesus was doing with that. So uh, yeah, we we looked at the story in in John 4, which is the woman at the well, and just how Jesus was really intentional about finding her, and then how she was really intentional about going out and finding other people after she found Jesus. So I was really intrigued with kind of tracing some of those patterns of Mm -hmm. of, um, kind of that nature of how Jesus was so intentional about finding people and, and what that challenge is to us rather than just to get so self-absorbed or um, just not care about people around so us. So rather than him being consciously all like getting up in the morning and saying, I'm going to go out and find people today. So you're suggesting that it was simply just who Jesus was. It was almost like a, a, a it was his nature. Yeah, I think it was his nature and... Uh, and I think the beautiful part of that was it doesn't matter where Jesus was. The story is so powerful because it was in Samaria where Jesus would not typically be because he was Jewish and mm-hmm. Jewish people didn't tend to hang out in that region. And so I loved that for Jesus, it was so much a part of who he was and who he desired us to be that he would go into uncomfortable places and talk to people who are so different from him. For him to have this conversation with a woman in that culture and that time um, was you know, was, was not common. It was very uncommon. So and what, so, so for us, so mm-hmm. for us, mm-hmm. wait, um, let me jump in. Yeah. I'm about that. Cause uh, like I use the word nature and I really, I, I like that word, but on the other hand, 
I think it's interesting that that we use that word because I can imagine some people listening to this thinking themselves like, oh, well, it's not my nature, you know, mm, it's right. Jesus's or nature. it's not yeah. my gift. It's not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, that's, and, and, that's I, and I don't thing. disagree with the word nature, but I think that word itself kind of lets people think, well, you know, Jesus would only it, it's an overflow of his nature rather than an abundance of his practice. Right. Mm. And, and I was thinking about like you're mm. coaching baseball, Jared, and think about how baseball is like one of the most routinized sports. I was when I was in North Carolina, I was staying with a friend who's a baseball coach and, you know, they have a batting cage in their backyard and which just shows it's like this repetitious practice, which is, you know, makes you habitually bat or makes you pitch or, right. you know, it's I mean, it's almost not a sport. Sorry, Keith. Um, it's, it's almost <laughs> like something else but but anyway the point is like nature suggests that it's not plastic or malleable and jesus practiced it all the time which made it his nature now it gets complicated with jesus and how sure. do you deal with like the theology of his yeah. divinity and his perfection but but still i mean it lets us off the hook in certain ways if we say like oh evangelism which is in a statement what we're talking about partially isn't my nature so let's talk about that for a second for us because i feel like with evangelism it's one of those things that we have a tendency to do exactly what you just said and say we should leave it up to the people that are gifted at this i mean there's probably four people in our church that do the majority of the evangelism in our church well it depends on how you define evangelism, <laughs> yeah, no no you're right you're right so we're talking like these people that are going to prisons, people that are out on the street corners that we kind of they're naturally wired for it. They they're just, naturally yeah, wired. They just it oozes out of them. Yeah. But we're all naturally wired for relationship. And sure. so for and relationship me, is how evangelism it, right, right. So that's kind of I guess what I want to yeah. say too is if, you know evangelism in the postmodern matrix, like what does it look like? Mm-hmm. How do we reach Each out to people? Each person bring one person. <laughs> <laughs> each one so we have relationships. Each one reach one. I didn't want to actually say each it. one reach I was one. I'm trying to paraphrase it so no one would notice. <laughs> Dang. Chapel each in the one, air. Each Sorry, one reach that, one. That was copyrighted. Brought to you by Brian Chapel. At Chapel <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it's true though because we kind of have this. We have this perspective that uh, well, there's two there's two things, and I think there's two fallacies about evangelism. One of them is, we, it's like either side there's there's a there's a teeter totter. On one side we've got just relational evangelism. Don't fall off on either side. Oh, don't it's a log. Okay, that's a better way to say it. <laughs> uh, don't fall off on either side of the log. Um, but yeah, but so on one side we have just relational evangelism. That's what people have been pushing for the last like. I guess 20 years wow. like people yeah. since I was a kid people are like hey guys relational evangelism it's all about your friends then there's the other side where it's like the people that get on the street corner and they preach or the people that intentionally go in like what Jesus is doing intentionally going into Samaria a place where he's not you know in relationship with anyone and starting a conversation with a stranger and saying hey you need Jesus you need me right you know so I don't I think there's two ways to look at it and I think I don't want to get rid of I don't want to like just throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to, you know, going up to strangers and talking yeah. to strangers about Jesus. Right. Um, I, I think can that's I tell really a story? Powerful. Oh, good story. Yeah. Turbulence on the airplane flying out to North Carolina. The girl next to me like was very shook up by the turbulence and uh, she was reading the shack before the turbulence started and she's from LA and I started talking to her and uh, we had this like strange like trauma experience together. The plane dropped really fast. The woman mm-hmm. on my right like freaked out and grabbed me and she's like, ah! Like no joke, like she screamed out. It was a, it was a, it was wow. the most yeah. it was the biggest drop I've ever been in in a plane. It was serious. I mean, I wasn't freaking out, which is odd for me. But I was, I guess, I got to be the calm. They kept like, like you're so calm. I know it's the hair. It's the uh, hair. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, she, she. I mean, I, I'm sitting there praying. I, I went on this trip and I thought, you know, like why am I going on this trip? It's not the best time for me. Long story short. I had sort of said something slightly critical about the shack because I don't like the shack very much and for a variety of reasons and. I just, you know, so I said something about it, but I was kind of praying about it. And I thought, you know what? I'm not a natural evangelist in the way you're describing, like go out and just preach the gospel everywhere. Right. 
but I thought as, as I was praying about it, like she chatted with me and I was like, you know, I'm just going to talk to her about what the, what's in the shack. And you know, I wasn't, I didn't give her like the bridge illustration. She was raised a Christian. We just talked about, and she wasn't really practicing faith anymore. We just talked about what it said about God and how it talked about suffering. And it was a really cool opportunity. But I normally don't take those. And for me, I would usually let myself off in the exact way you say, well, that's not really my gift. I don't really, right. I don't really practice the street evangelist style. Right. I, I'm uncomfortable with the four laws and, you know, here's I'm uncomfortable. Pamphlet. This person should go to hell. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, right. <laughs> it was weird for me, but, but actually, yeah, I mean, at the end of the thing, which is sort of strange, um, she's like, you know, I just really want to thank you for this. This is a blah, blah, blah. It was a rough light for me. I'm really scared. And thanks for just being like supportive and she's like i don't usually do this but she gave her a card to me and the other girl in the row she's like actually i don't think i've ever done this she's like i just really appreciate you guys <laughs> and, and she gave me a hug as we walked off the jetway and i was like good That's luck cool. good luck good luck good luck yeah so that. anyway i mean it's about what you're saying though i mean i wonder if that would be maybe a start of a different set of habits for me a different you know it's a reward cycle like it was good it went well yeah. uh, you know i've had lots of bad you know experiences like probably most of us where you right right go evangelize on the street and people rebuff you and you're like, I'm the Mormon missionary. So what I, I like that because I feel like a lot of my experiences, I've had good and bad experiences in evangelism, like just the randos that I end up talking to on the street. Um, but then I also have had great experiences that way too. Um, and so I'm, I'm interested, Lisa, you, you are one of the best, um, I guess, relational evangelists that I've ever seen. Because if you guys don't know, Elisa, Elisa lives in, in Claremont and she's got this great oikos and she reaches out to people that don't know Jesus all the time. And she, she kind of has all these relationships with all these other moms and dads and stuff from the school and always inviting, inviting people to church and that kind of stuff. I am totally impressed because I, I don't do that kind of thing as much as I should. And so I'm interested to know, Lisa, like what's a good, what's a good example of either relational evangelism or kind of the you know random randos the random the random yeah. randos well it's it's kind of you to say all that Jared because I don't I don't feel like a great evangelist and and honestly I've I've spent some time thinking about this because I feel like I've kind of grown up in that culture it's very relational where it's like they will know we are Christians by our by love, love. <laughs> and and you know and it's been like let our actions speak louder than our words you know I mean that's kind of the philosophy that or I by our kind Facebook of, Facebook posting. Or by our Facebook postings right <laughs> that Francis, I grew up in you, you know yeah, exactly. but I just I haven't found that to be actually very fruitful in my own life and so I've just I feel like in our culture today that people um, there's so many choices out there that people kind of don't care what you're doing unless you actually make that connection with them directly and so um, it's it really having kids has made me the most bold that I've ever been in my life because I'm so passionate about my kids sphere of influence helping um, to guide them and point them to things in Jesus and so we I mean we're real intentional about our kids going to a public school and so we've just surrounded ourselves with a lot of un unchurched people right now mm -hmm. and so it's a it's become kind of a powerful motivation in my own life, not only to teach my kids how to do that, but to really um, help surround our environment in um, in an opportunity to um, to encourage people to to be in a relationship with people that don't know Jesus. Yeah. Like that's what you're doing, and I and yeah. you're intentionally doing that, which I love that, and I think Caleb does that too. I try to reach out to those people that I know that don't know Jesus too. I I'm an actor, and so sometimes I go down to Hollywood and I make friends friends down there with people that are so far away from anything that has to do with church and God uh, and Christ that, that like, 
it it's profound. Like I'm like you are in such a different world than I. Right, they're in totally different worlds. And, and we've yeah. got people, you know, at the end of the rose parade, you know, turn and burn, and all, you know, just really. We've got really bad, bad examples event. in culture. Bad we've event. got Westboro Baptist. You, yeah, you know, all this stuff that just does not give a good Christian image to a lot right. of people who are unchurched or, you know, not people of faith. And so I just I'm just really passionate about figuring out ways for people who are who are doing this this Jesus thing, this Christian life, so. Um, the best we can, but to just to represent Jesus well in our mm-hmm. culture, and how can we do that, and how can right. we do that with less fear? Because I think we all get a little anxious when we're going to talk, talk about Jesus, because right. he's so dear to us, and and we don't have all the answers, and so I think it paralyzes us. How do we how do we do this well? How do we say this well? And just to have that freedom that we don't have to have all the answers. I think it's that's a really job. good point because in Acts it says, "Don't worry about what you're going to say." just let the Holy Spirit talk. And I feel like that's still our job. Like right. we are still in that place. Yeah. That's great though. That also in Acts, you know, Paul shows up there, Gopagus and it's like, Hey, did I pronounce that right? You're the Areopagitica, Ari- Ari- which is by Milton. That's Mars right. Hill. Mars okay. Hill. Paul, let's, Paul, let's he, just and he's clearly <laughs> prepared. He's like, Oh yeah, guys. So, I mean, on the one hand you have like, you have Stephen's speech, you have like clearly Holy Spirit inspired moments. And mm-hmm. then you also have people who are like, and this is me as an academic speaking, obviously, but people who are really well prepared, like Paul right. shows up and he's really well prepared to say like men of Athens, let me tell you about this. Right. So like both are true, right? Like that the whole, both like in the true. situation I was in yesterday, I was going to give a talk and you know, that was, you know, itself a kind of moment for evangelism. And in a way, like I'm connecting with people about Jesus in a way, but then I also am on the plane and I just, you know, right. have a different opportunity that I didn't prepare for, you know, like right. the spirit gives me the, so they're both true. Like you, you, I mean, I think that's what we also forget is that you do have to prepare for the unexpected, right? It's like if you want to be, you mentioned Bible reading and you mentioned Bible reading. If you want to actually be prepared to speak to people, your practices will help you do that. Well, in Christians, but the Spirit will also help you do right, that. In Christians, right, in Christians, us as Christians, I think the onus is on us to immerse ourselves in Christ and in everything that has to do with Christ. Right. What, we tra- what we tend to do is kind of do it for 10 minutes a day and then live our lives normally and not think about it for the rest of the time. And I think we as Christians should be immersive. And if we are immersive, when well, we say every we follow Jesus, and Jesus was a rabbi, like I mean, yeah, it wasn't like hard for him. Which is not to say that we ought to be rabbis, but I do think we. And I'm obviously speaking out of a bias from being somebody who reads a lot of this stuff. But I do think that there's a sense in which yeah. the church has. It's not surprising that the church has always been a thing that generated education, which means you know knowing about the the you know. The faith we proclaim, not right. just saying you are it, but practicing it. Where practicing means, mm-hmm. again, relative to your ability, that you are able to give an answer for your hope that you can say. Sure. Like, why? Not just that you do, but why you trust in Jesus and why you have hope because of him. And totally. you know, I, that that preparation is a set of practices. right? So my question, my question then becomes, too, for us as, as the average Christian, um, the people that are listening to this podcast— where do we start? And, and if we're not started, if we haven't started yet, where do we start? But also, like, what does it look like? What does it look like for everyone out there? What kind of wisdom can you guys buy give? Lisa's book? Buy Lisa's book. Drive. <laughs> yeah, that's good. What well, do you think, Lisa? Th- I think that's really practical. And that is part of what we are trying to talk about and get at, at the sermon on Sunday is just giving people three things that they could listen for in conversations that would be good cues. So as we get back to the habit routine, mm-hmm. um, that as you listen in a conversation, and we call them the three knots, and this is actually Andy Stanley, so um, 
shout out to him, but uh, th- that things are not going well in our life, um, that I was not prepared for this situation or I'm not from here. That if we can train ourselves to listen for those kind of cues or prompts in a conversation, that that's a really natural place that we could be people that invite people to come to church and to experience Jesus. And, you know, we talked on Sunday about how Jesus is always better experienced than explained. And, you know, some people, I think people are well-read or scholars, they are really good at explaining sometimes. But for a lot of us, we just say, hey, just come, come and experience Jesus, come and experience that through worship, come and experience that through being in community, through sitting with the body of Christ and and figure out for yourself if this is something that can impact your life and and change things for you. Um, So that's why I think the the pattern of habits was interesting to me because it, it has really prompted me to start listening in my conversations when people bring those three things up. Right. Things aren't going well in my life, you know, and, and they tell you that story that you don't have to solve their problem, but you can say, hey, you know, why don't you come and hang out with us at church and let's right. just see if God can do something about that. And I've been amazed at how people are open to that, Jared. That's I, a great point, Lisa. I think I think one of the coolest things is that we can invite them into our inner circle. That's always been kind of my philosophy. And I, I love that. It's immersive. You invite them into your Christian life. You invite them into your community. I have a Bible study Tuesday that is made up of people that are just at all kinds of different places. And what I like to do is I love having them in my house. I love seeing my marriage. I love them seeing my kids and how we raise them. I love how they, you know, we feed them and we make them clean the house afterwards (laughs) so so that they can work too. Uh, And we don't have to do it when they're gone. But, um, but that's the thing. And, and what I, I kind of see with, with a lot of this evangelism, is that we've been focused a lot on either the short game or the long game. <laughs> like that's a really kind of a cynical way to put it. But I would say like you've got a, a short the, the short perspective, which is like Jesus, you know, get saved right now. And then you've got the immersive like long game that happens over the course of five years. And my th- I'm playing the long game right now with a lot of these people. Where in five years from now, these guys are going to be completely different than they were right now. They're going to be different because they've been in relationship with us who love Christ, with the other people in the group who love Christ. We're all going to be growing together. We're better together. <laughs> and uh, and that, that to me, is the way that we we probably need to. We need to invite people into the center of our lives, not, not just kind of like have these moments. You know, but real practically there, I mean, I think one of the things that you're bringing up, which is good, is that... Um, you know, this is actually going against, not going against Lisa's point, but actually I think going along with Lisa's point, that if you want to be different than you are, find people to follow who aren't the way you are, right? So if you, yeah. like your example of people in your home, who if, if you want to have, I mean, this gets into conversation about mentorship, but it gets, it gets into common, constant, like, concepts of like imitation, right? Like mm-hmm. if you, if you're not satisfied with who you are, then the, where you're at in a certain area, then find people who have managed to overcome that or have, or maybe they didn't have to overcome it. Maybe they're just different and see what they do, right? Yeah. Maybe it's always been that way for them. So they, they've always, whatever it is. And, and I think people fail to see that that's often how you can be transformed. Like if you want to have different patterns in your life, be around people that have different Be patterns. I yeah. collect people. So yeah. my my philosophy is to collect. <laughs> I do. I collect. And it's fun. I'm writing. A, that was one of the concepts that I was talking to Glyer about, Diana Glyer, about writing about was people collecting mm-hmm. and how I look at a person. It's and I collaboration. Say, I want to be different. Yeah. You are different. And so I want to meet with you and collect you. But that's my... actually really threatening, right? People. I mean, I, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, but I don't think you're 
on our audience, I think you're probably an outlier in the sense that lots of people are frightened to be different, even if they want to be, right? So, and right. I mean, just look at the political landscape. Like, people want, I mean, in the, in the post-election discussion about Facebook, for example, and real concern about search bubbles, and people want to be reinforced in who they are in this. And so that's not everybody. So, but I think that's partly if you want to be different, you need to start looking for people to represent to you some other way of being practicing differently, different routines, different habits. So, and I think that's the scary part. I mean, yeah. we, it's, it's much easier to say, I want to read the Bible every day for half an hour, or I want to drop 30 pounds, but actually finding those practical steps that are going to lead us into that change pattern is, yeah. is exactly. so difficult. That's yeah. the hard process. And really it's a question of, do you really want to? I yeah. Mean, how, how bad yeah, do you like, want what to? What does that mean to say I yeah. want to? Yeah. And I think part of it is, I mean, we've got to confess our sin nature at some point, And that's yeah. the hard part of saying, I have not been disciplined in this area. Smart. You know, like I, I am I am out of control in this area. And that's where we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to be submit, submissive to the authority of Christ in our lives and saying, yeah, okay, I'm not representing the fruit of the Spirit well in this area. So mm-hmm. how can I confess that? How can I change a habit or a pattern um, right. and allow the Spirit to come in? to make some changes in that area. Yeah, and I think that's also where the Duhigg book is concerning to me a little because I think, or just just kind of Skinnerism and behaviorism in general, is that that there's an assumption in, in contemporary sociology, at least in the 20th century and psychology, that on either side that we're kind of a product of our environment, right? So right. that our habits just make us in the case of psychology, it's a little different, but we kind of have a fundamental thing and then we can be malformed and then reformed. But either way, there's a sense that like will and choices are the primary thing that make you desires in the case of, you know, I want this. That's like the Freudian version of it. My community makes me this in the sociological Mm -hmm. version of it. But actually Christians don't believe that. Like we believe we have a fundamental nature given to us by God that is then distorted and then has the possibility, you mentioned sanctification, of being mm-hmm. reformed. So right. it's true that practices do that, but they don't do it alone, right? right. And they, another part of this is related to sin as well, is that practices continue to malform us. Like if you wonder why you are what you are, it's in part because <laughs> of like what you're surrounding yourself with. But it's not exclusively that, right? And of course, the other side of, of sanctification is, of course, the wiles of the devil. Like we also don't believe it's just merely you know, material circumstances. The spirit is at work, but so is your adversary, the devil. And whatever we want to, right. I don't want to go into that topic right now, exactly. But We can go into that. But, we'll but talk I think about it's a it good point time. because, yeah. There are but, other forces at work. But I there think are. when you're trying to change a spiritual habit or you're trying to impact the kingdom of God, you know, through evangelism or finding people, not only do you have your behavior and your habits and not only do you have your own patterns and things that you're dealing with, I mean, you've got a real enemy that's like actively fighting against right. you to do this. So it takes right. even more energy and more prayer and well, more to, to work on a spiritual habit. Well, then it's spiritual warfare, it which is. means that we need to fight spiritual wars in spiritual ways, which means we, we need to be praying a lot about those things. We need to really bring these things to the Lord all the time. We can't just sit down and roll up our sleeves and, and pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. That is a that's not a Christian doctrine either. We cannot be we cannot modify our behavior on our own. We need Christ. But so but really interestingly though, at the same time, this is not to contradict but actually to affirm that. Right. In the church, traditionally spiritual meant practice. So we were talking before mm. before the mice got turned on about spiritual disciplines. And and oftentimes when people look at the spiritual disciplines, they think like, oh, this is just a bunch of works. But actually in the church's understanding, like I mentioned Loyola and Akempis, those were the means by which 
the spirit actually worked in you. So mm-hmm. prayer, the offices, you know, le- journaling, um, community, silence, reading, like all of these studies. Spiritual disciplines. The disciplines, yeah, yeah, yeah the spiritual disciplines. Dis- right. Simplicity, they actually mm-hmm. were, they, they, they sound to us very embodied. And because right. we think of spirit as kind of the opposite of body in a kind of Gnostic way, but they're not. They're actually like very concretely manifested, but they allow the spirit to show up in those spaces. And you have the silence to hear it. And you have the, right. you know, and you, you're reading So scripture. you said Gnostic. Uh, th- that would be a separation, I, I think, for the average person listening. The, the Gnostic thing that he referenced is a separation of the spirit and the body. Yeah, I mentioned Plato last week. So that, I, yeah, that body and spirit are different and that one is good and one is bad. Like spirit is good, body is bad. And so that's what we're talking about. Yeah. No, in, in a Christian worldview, we are not we're not dualists. We don't yeah, separate exactly. those two things out. We bring those things together and we recognize that God, he sanctifies our spirits. He sanctifies our, our bodies, even though they're falling apart. And then he eventually gives us a glorified body. Um, so he does do that. So he likes the physical universe is what we're saying. He yeah. created it and he says it's good. You know, It's a means of grace. It's a means of grace. It's a means of communion with each other and with him too. Mm-hmm. And so those are great things about the physical universe. But I, I, anyway, so I just wanted to point that out. Well, and Jared, I was thinking too, you know, about what you said about prayer, because I feel like I've just been in this place in the last really two to three years um, where I've just had some things all kind of come together with this kind of renewed passion for inviting people, but also a really renewed passion to prayer. And I'm really seeing how those two things line up because Mm -hmm. I, I, I mean, I've actually been blown away by God that, you know, when we meet someone and I'm constantly thinking, okay, God, where is this person at? How, how can we move them, you know, one step closer to you, but to be really intentional about praying for them and praying for, about for opportunities. And then God, like, puts them there like and it's like shocking me (laughs) it shouldn't surprise me so much that God would do that but to really be specific about praying with these people with my kids or journaling about these people and then you know like they just text me randomly or we have a conversation and go out for coffee and you know and it's not random it's God designing Mm -hmm. that but I think us yielding ourselves to God working through us is so important that it's not what we're doing that's it and so partnering this idea of a, a love for people um the power of prayer the power of the Holy Spirit it really is this kind of matrix spiritually going on of, right. of how God works through that. Well, I love everything that we're talking about because I feel like spiritual disciplines, you know, as we engage in those things, God sanctifies our hearts. We practice, you know, our, and, and then our, our behaviors, our, our responses and our reactions start to change. And then we've got this whole engagement with prayer where God starts moving in and doing what he wants to do That's in right. whatever situation. And I've seen the same thing in the seasons of life where I'm, I mean, just being honest, like I don't always pray. And so mm-hmm. in the seasons of life where I do and I really engage in prayer, I see God move constantly. But when I, you know, when I don't, it's like, oh, God moved. Whoa, what a surprise. You know, that, that's you know? a really good point, though. But part of that has to do with what you see, right? So, yeah. so I mentioned Augustine before. And uh, hmm. Augustine's view point. on 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 the are in that same book actually and he does it talks about in both city of god and christian doctrine but he talks about how like the beauty of prayer and the disciplines the beauty of being actually in the spirit is that the same things are happening but you see them 
Right. So it's the, the, the problem is not actually that God is not on the move. The problem is when we are out of touch with God's movement, we don't see it. Right. Right. So it's mm. the same work is happening. It's just whether you have the eyes to see. And so yeah. he's actually really interested in interpretation and how our lives are a kind of practice of interpretation. And there's better and worse, holy and more and less reform. I mean, of transformed interpretations, which are we get to have joy in. Right. Like the, sure. God was on the move when you weren't seeing him because you were out of touch with him. But you didn't see it and you didn't get to have the joy of it like lisa was describing having the joy of it like you get to be present to it yeah i love that like blackaby and experiencing god talks yeah. about the invitation for us to join god in his work like right. god's constantly working right. it's just are you going to join the invitation right are you going to get in on the party yeah. and right. get to see what's happening yeah. well i like that too because there's I, I like that with worship as a worship leader there's already worship going on are you going to join in with it you know like the saints the angels all of creation's worshiping god are you going to like align yourself with creation right. and the saints that. and angels and all of history and worship God with him? Or are you going to kind of just ignore everything and live your life? Um, <laughs> so here's, here's the other thing. So, so all that to say, I think this is a great, this is a great conversation. I, I, we could talk about this all day, but I, we're running out of time, but I would love to um, just kind of point out, okay, a couple of practical things that we brought up in this spiritual disciplines. You guys, if you guys are looking for practical ways to start engaging in evangelism, start praying because that's the, the biggest thing is start praying about it. Ask the Lord what he wants you to do and then start listening, um, praying, listening. Um, I think reading your, reading the Bible, immersing yourself in the scripture, immersing yourself in community with other people, you start to see things differently. Um, if you really do want to change, if you do want to reach out, um, to people, if you want to change your habits, um, be intentional about those things, and then watch as God does things, as God changes those things and takes takes you to those places that that He has for you, because He may have different opinions about what your habits. You know, a really be. practical thing that's like really concretely impractical is um, getting a notebook. I, so my kids and I pray on the on the way to school every day, and I've got this little notebook that's a. Um, basically like it's a to-do list notebook. Um, and I just write down the things we're praying for. And, and it's not like a journal. Like I don't write out a long, mm -hmm. like it's simply like Dave's back. And, and we, and so we pray for these things and it's a way for our, but, but what's cool about doing that is you actually get to see how God does things. And I, I mean, I've been doing this in my own journals for a really long time. And, and you read again about these anxieties you had or these fears or how's this going to work out. And you, and you, you write them down the first time, but you usually don't go back to them. Right. But when you write them down right. in this little prayer journal where you just simply write out like, you know, pray for the neighbor, <laughs> you know, that right. that he'll find Christ. And and then you go back and you you get to actually, I mean, there's a reason why the, the Old Testament is filled with God saying, remember, remember, mm -hmm. remember. Because, of course, the point is we don't, <laughs> you know, we don't that's why we journal. I mean, journaling is, sounds like, like some sort of high fluting, like. Dear diary, yeah. today I ate Dear blah, blah, Jesus. blah. But that's not the point. The point is it's a recall mechanism. It's a mnemonic device that's that you right. can remember. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the point is you remember and then you see. Yeah. Right? Like you see that God's God has been unfaithful. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. we are so inundated with distraction. That's I mean, a tool for presentness, ironically. Well, it's the discipline of remembering. Right, exactly. Right. And, and memory I, is a discipline. It is a and discipline. And it's a very precious commodity. Like it, it disappears is. really, really fast. Well, that's great. And I, I think um, if we can remember to do that, if we can remember to be people who remember, <laughs> that, that'll be the type, we'll, we'll be the type of Christians that we need to be. Um, so that was a, an amazing recap of the sermon. Thank you guys so much for that conversation. Um, we're going to move on to the next, the next part of the podcast. Amazing. Experience. What's up? 
All right, guys. So um, there's a couple of things I wanted to bring up this week. Uh, we're not going to talk about everything, obviously, but March 12th is the next um, event at the barn. So that's at six o'clock. If you guys want to come, uh, you young adults that want to be there, it's 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 specifically made for you. And we are meeting together coming up. We heard you. This is the one thing I want you to know. We heard you. We You guys filled out all those surveys. We are hearing what you are saying. We are smelling what you are cooking. And uh, we are trying to address the things that you want um, and uh, and how we can best reach uh, you guys and make make this a church that is young adult uh, centric. So thank you guys so much. I hope you go there. Uh, women's retreats coming up. So yeah. Uh, so can you talk about women's that? Women's conference, women of purpose. We're gathering. So anyone who wants to come hang with us, we're going to be at the Sheridan in Pomona, March 24 through 26, and our theme is anchored. So um, come and hang out with us. We'd love to have you there. You can check out purposechurch.com/anchored. Very, very cool. I'm very excited. And that's great for young people, too. That's an oh, awesome thing. Yeah, heck yeah. Lot, lots yeah. of young young women going to that. My wife is really, really wanting to go. I know there's a ton of things that are... Got great speakers. Christina amazing, loves Amazing it. worship team. We've got just a oh, yeah. really exciting lineup. I think you'll you'll go and you will be encouraged and you'll be challenged. And it's a great way to meet people, too. So Am I invited to that? I mean, I... Um, I mean, in the current climate in the United States, I don't know how we would the tell you no. The hair could work. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Is that suave you use? Protein uh, <laughs> uh, The other thing is, guys, if you get a chance, join a rooted group, join a life group. Um, we want to encourage you guys. That's one of the biggest things. Um, get involved in a small group community so that you guys can have actual intimate relationships with people that are Christians. Don't just come in and sit in the back row. We love you if you do that, but um, <laughs> but uh, if you can, get involved with other Christians so that you guys can start living life together. Uh, they don't bite, or at least not all of them. So um, so if you guys are interested in doing that, uh, you can reach out to Greg in the office or Chanel in the office. Uh, they can get you guys connected. Um, another thing is we are going to, in the future, all right, let me just cut that. All right, so... Okay, so if you haven't already, let me just uh, encourage you guys to to go down to iTunes. Please give a uh, give us a five star review. Uh, that helps us, um, and uh, you know, write something really nice about Lisa. It's going to be harder for Caleb and I, but write something nice about us too if you can. Uh, and then <laughs> if you can think of anything, um, I'll anyway. write something nice about you. Thank Jared. you. You too, Caleb. Just uh, thank you. I really need the uh, the encouragement. Okay, positive so, feedback. Positive feedback. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that that brings us to the end of the show. This concludes episode two of the Purpose Podcast. We want to thank you so much for listening to the show. If you'd like to send us your feedback on today's episode or ask us a good question, you can do so by emailing us at podcast at purposechurch.com or you can also follow us on Instagram at Purpose Pomona. If you'd like to follow me, you can do so at twitter.com slash Jarrett Lamaster or come talk to me after one of the services or something. Uh, Lisa, where can people track you down? Yeah, I'm, I hang here too. So I'm here at the church. Come find me after one of the services. You can also find me at lisatony.com or on Facebook or Twitter. Cool. What about you, Caleb? Is there any way that people can get in contact with you? I've heard you have a fashion blog. Is that true? <laughs> I don't know if there's actually a comment section on there. There might be. I don't really want any comments. <laughs> uh, you can email me or you can follow me on Instagram at Professing Style or my cycling account, which is Sola Cycling, S-O-L-A. Otherwise, you can email me. Is that like Sola Fida? Like Sola Fida. Ah, ah Sola Grazia. Uh-huh. Yeah, 
you're such a reformer. I know. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy how I believe in grace. <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy. It's a crazy belief. Uh, okay, so anyway. Uh, all right, so Purpose Church is a purpose... Uh, sorry. The Purpose Podcast is a Purpose Studios production. For more information on other shows in the Purpose family, head on over to PurposeChurch.com or follow us on Facebook or on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Let's connect on Sunday in a small group or a service opportunity, and let's get deeper. For my co-host, Caleb Spencer, and our guest, awesome guest, Lisa Tony of Tony, 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 we will see you next Sunday or next time on the Purpose Podcast. <laughs>